Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the show. This is the Millennial Millionaire Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Cohen. This podcast is focused on bringing some of the wisest minds from across the globe to discuss concepts, strategies, and ideals that will lead them to be top performers in their respective industries and their lives. This show is for the millennials and millennials at heart to transcend their mindset, their health, and their income to the next level. We are so excited to have you on this journey with us. Welcome to the show. Millennial Millionaires, welcome back to the show. Today we have another very special guest, my man, Daverick Lyles. Daverick is the host of Black Ice Reality Check. He is a serial entrepreneur and expert relationship on dating coach. Dav, welcome to the show, bro. Thank you, man. I love your intro. Thanks, bro. Who did that? Uh, I know a guy. I know okay, a guy. you know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah, you I'll send connect them. me. All right. I'll send you your number. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, man. You bet. So I was on your podcast probably like a couple months ago now, two, three months ago. You were actually the one that introduced me to this studio. Yeah, it's a good studio. They got some good engineers and, you know, one behind the desk now. He's, he's okay. He's crushing it. He's crushing <laughs> it. Uh, Dad, for those that don't know who you are, haven't listened to your show before, or absorb your content, can you give a little background about how you got into this game and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my background is, is pretty much business, but I've been in the tech space for uh, over two decades. And um, one thing I noticed in the tech space is a lot of people are very successful, a lot of men that were successful, but they had a hard time dating mm. or being in relationships. They're heads down, they're in front of their computer screen, you know, and I had a little bit of game growing up. I mean, that's what, you know, I was interested in girls, you know, not school, but girls, right? You know, so. As most men. Um, men. And I, I kind of figured out a little system in, in dating and chasing girls when I was younger. And so when I got out of the service and I, I got in the tech space, I had no, I don't want to say I didn't have problems, but it, it came, it became natural. You know, I, I would say I was a natural born salesperson. I was good with my, you know, conversations. And so a lot of the guys we'd go out and when we go on business trips, they'd say, Hey, how do you meet these girls? What are you doing? So I'd give them advice. And then I took it to the next level. And I said, why don't I start a podcast? Everybody goes, why don't you start a podcast and, and help these guys? Cause I was already helping my buddies. Tell them what to say, literally play by play. Hey, the girl said this. What do I say? Say, say do this, do that. And, and then we'd go out together and, and I'd show them how to get the results. So that's kind of how it started. That's, that's awesome, man. Found a niche because I'd imagine in the, the tech space, they have the brains, they have the money, but a lot of time they want the girls. And what I've learned over the years, you know, I have a girlfriend, but living in Vegas, growing up in Vegas, a lot of people, they find the money, they spend their life going after income, creating an awesome business. And a lot of people, they end up in reinvesting their time and energy after the business back into girls. You know, my, my girlfriend works on the strip at Tao Beach Club. So I see the lifestyle. I see a lot of these older men that have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars sometime that just come to Vegas because they want the experience of being with girls and, and having that. What advice do you give to men in order to become a higher valuable, valuable individual to attract females? Well, I get this question a lot, actually, and I tell these guys, focus on your, your money first, your money, your game, your frame. Frame is a frame. This is your foundation. You have a foundation. You have a belief system. You don't step outside of that. You say, this is my frame. Imagine this electrical fence. I'm not going to bend the knee. I'm not going to go outside of that frame or my belief or my structure or your mission statement, regardless of who the girl is. And it's very hard because there's a lot of attractive women. And guys have a tendency to kind of give an inch and then they take a mile by nature. And then work on your muscle. Be in the gym. Be fit. Because I believe if you're in good shape and you're, you work on your fitness, you're going to be successful in your mind. But what happens with a lot of these young guys, They're so because their testosterone levels are high or elevated, they're interested in biologically chasing women and they're not focused on the most important thing. Because as you know, you're successful, but you had a successful woman behind you which was key. She motivated you. She supported you. She filled the void of areas that you needed to be uplifted, I'm imagining. So I tell these guys, look, I don't consider – I would say focus on your foundation. Build your house in concrete, not bamboo. Focus on your money, your goals, your business. Where are you going to create your revenue? Focus on your frame. What's your standards? What are you going to live with and live without? What are you going to tolerate and not tolerate? right? Is she a liability or an asset? Here's your frame. And then have some game. That's where I help them. I work on dialogue. I work on appearance, how to dress, how to act, right? And then get in the gym, stay in shape because there's nothing more disappointing than seeing a successful 
entrepreneur millionaire that's not in shape, like Jeff Bezos. Now he's in shape. He's probably on TRT. He's probably on a growth hormone. But you looked at him before, you're like, there's no way. Now he's kind of, kind of studly. So, but he never had game. He just had a lot of money, right? So that's kind of my, my mindset. Yeah. I, <laughs> I heard an interesting statistic the other day. It went something like there is more people that are millionaires with a seven-figure income or seven-figure net worth, I should say, in America than there are with men with six-packs. There's more men that are millionaires than men with six-packs. Why do you think so many people, especially now, are neglecting their, their physicality and focus so much on the other things that maybe are as important, but they're not able to combine both of those things into becoming the alpha greater male for themselves? I think a lot of people forget their priorities and how important their health is. And the other problem in America is the food system, right? There's so much... Uh, bad stuff in food, GMOs, um, there's so much preservatives, and also our, our portion size. You know, you go to America, you, you go to other countries, and they you, I'll give you an example. You go to a high end restaurant, and it's like $2.50 a plate, and they, they, they give you a little filet like this. Yeah. You're like, what? Because <laughs> we're used to the buffet, all you can eat. But I believe that people are so focused on two areas they're focused on making money, and nowadays people sit in front of the, the laptop, the, the iPad, the the computer, and they don't focus on the gym because once they have their family, they kind of give up on themselves. They're not prioritizing their health. Our health system, our health system is very expensive. Our premiums are high. Our bills are high because Americans generally are not a healthy. One of the most obese countries in the world, us in Europe, right? But I believe it's because our priorities got backwards. And I think if you focus on your health, you're not going to have be, have so many people on prescription medication, uh, diabetes, high blood pressure. But I just believe that our, our priorities are backwards. And for men, I think once they get married and have children, they think, okay, I, I've arrived, right? Like I used to say as a joke, BMW said the ultimate driving machine, right? That was their logo. I said, but if you drive a Mercedes, you have arrived. Hmm. So they're at that Mercedes level, no pun intended if you got a BMW, but you, you, you end up at the Mercedes level. And then you say, okay, I got the kids, I got the wife. And it's amazing how much in shape we were before people get married, right? And then they turn into the dad bod, and then, and then the wife gains weight. You know, she had kids, and she's like, I'm not going to go back in the gym. So I think to answer your question, I think, Stephen, people have just accepted where they're at in life, and they, they, they just consider themselves to be average. They've been passive about it. They just they got comfortable, and I, I don't know why. But it's amazing when relationships break up, all of a sudden, he's back in the gym. She's now she's tanning. She's working on her fitness, and her Instagram goes up in views. You see what I mean? And I think people don't appreciate what they have. It's a lack of appreciation of who they're with. Yeah, no, I would agree, man. There's there's a culture of complacency and settling. Even myself, I was never a guy to really work out in high school or even college. I always had the mindset when I got into entrepreneurship, let me focus on getting my money, I'll focus on my business, and then eventually when I become super successful, I'll, I'll hire a personal trainer, nutritionist, I'll have all the time. But then I realized that there's never going to be that perfect time. And in the contrary, I've experienced more success financially, spiritually, when I put my body first, when I focused on my health. And to your point, so many people, so many of my friends that maybe were on the football team or wrestling team, or that were that popular you know, kid in high school or college, now they're maybe married with kids, and now they're a little bit flabby, and they stop focusing on themselves. And it almost feels like if you've peaked too early in your physicality from an early age, you start to lose a little bit of that motivation. It's almost kind of like military people that go to the military, they work their ass off for two, three, four, five years, and then they get out and they let themselves go. When in reality, I feel like it's about cultivating that mindset of consistent sustainability, because I believe how you do one thing is how you do all things. Yeah. And it's interesting you said that. Um, I, I my outlet, I, I go to the gym. I want to stay in shape. I'm getting older. I ha and I've always trained since I was younger. But I let myself go a little bit in the last couple of years. And I made excuses. I said, no, I got to get back on it. You know, it's very easy not to, right? What is it, 8% or 3% of men have abs in America? Something like that. You know, at 48, I had abs. And then they went away. And what was my excuse, right? Now I'm back at it. I have my supplement line. I'm back in the gym. I'm active. You have to stay focused. But I want to bring this point up. 
I went, I, I play poker cash games. Is, it, that's just one of my hobbies, uh, you know. Um, and I went to the bar and I don't drink. I do not drink. And I'm having a sugar-free Red Bull shake and not stirred. Probably not the best drink for you, but better than alcohol. Yeah. And this girl goes, you don't drink? I go, no, not at all. I go, no, you don't have one drink at all. She was blown away. And I said, look, two things. And I, I, I think you're on the same page as me. A, I don't want to have anything in my life that's going to hold me back from my, my health being better or my success. Alcohol, I felt, and again, if you drink, I'm not on you. If you drink, that's great. You know, you do it in, in uh, increments or, you know, small portions or wine, whatever. I choose not to because I don't have F you money. Mm-hmm. And, and when I start drinking or I start doing weed or drugs or anything like that, it's holding me back from me going to the next level. You know we're only as good as our last month and we're only good as where we're success level. Is. It's, a, it's a process, not a destination. We have to improve. We have to elevate our game. Okay, we got, we got our revenue went up 1%. How do I 10x my income? Now, realistically, 10x your income, like if people can just 2x their income, they'll be happy. But then the other part of it is, you know, she was amazed. She's like, oh, were you an alcoholic? I go, no. So why don't you drink? I don't understand. I said, because it doesn't do anything for me. I, I get complacent. I get lackadaisical. She goes, are you angry drunk? I go, no, I'm a happy drunk. I'm like Magic Mike. I might stand up here and take my clothes off. But the point is, is it's not doing anything for me. And so I choose not to. The sugar, the calories, I choose not to drink. And so some people aren't on board with that. But I'm I, like you. What's going to get me to the next level, Stephen? I learned from you when you were on my podcast. I took, I stole somebody. I was like, "Ooh, I'm cheating. I'm take. I'm learning from the best. You're a millionaire. You're successful. Great. Well, I'm going to take some tidbits from you, and I'm going to use that for my toolbox to move forward. So, anything negative in my life, and that includes alcohol. I don't have alcohol at the house. My kids have never seen me drink. Now, I'm not saying I haven't. You know, if I go on vacation, my girl might have a sugar-free vodka and Red Bull. But here at home, I don't drink. I don't need to. So I, I just – health is a priority. As we get older, what am I in my fi- early 50s? So what, 25 years of life expectancy I got left? What am I going to do to impact my life, my children, the people around me, and, and create generational wealth? I haven't done that yet. So I have to go to the next level. Well said, man. Dav, you talk a lot about relationships and how to be a strong man. And that's why a lot of your content, but, you know, both times I've had the opportunity to, to hang out with you and talk to you, you have so much drive and you have a very strong philosophy and you have a lot of personal development that you've acquired over the years. Where do you think that has come from? Where do you think that drive to become better and to not be complacent and to strive to be the best version of yourself? Where did that come from for you? Man, I just like to win. I love winning. I hate losing. I'm very competitive. Um, I came from a very rough upbringing, broken family. And anything I've done, I've, I've, I win. I, I try to win. I just, I'm very competitive. I was that guy that didn't like to lose. And, and, and the other thing, when somebody tells me I can't or they say no, I ask why not, and then I do it. Mm. I, have to, I have to, my best revenge is to show people I'll do it, right? L- best revenge is to live well. So in high school, I'm going to tell you what happened. In high school, I was voted all talk, no action. That pissed me off uh-huh. because I used to – I was a dreamer. I was a dream builder, and and I, I don't conform to the normal standards. I don't know if I'm wired different, um, but I, I saw – I see – you know, I always used to see people with a white picket fence in the family, and I was like, I wanted that one day because I grew up on the other side. Not the ghetto, not the trailer, but I grew up lower middle class, and – Everybody always said I couldn't do it. And so I said, one day I'm going to show you. So I, in high school, I wore this back in the 80s. I had the Fresh Prince flat top and the, the, I had the Mercedes gold necklace. And everybody used to tease me. I should have said Mercedes Benz. And I've had 10 of them or nine of them. And the point is, is I'm going to show people. I'm going to lead by example. And, and I was always athletic. I always went in the military. I was driven because I hate, I hate it when I hate to lose. And my way of showing people, not to show off, I'm going to show them. So I'm a fighter. I'm not a, I'm not a runner, flight or fight. I like to fight. So if you're going to tell me that I can't have a paddock watch one day, I could probably go buy one now, but it's my smartest move, yeah. right? But why, why do you need that Rolex? Why, these are our rewards, and it, it's all relative, but you'll never have a Daverick, you'll never have a McLaren. No, I'm going to own one. Why? Because I want one. That's my reward for my success. So 
The more people that tell me no, the more I'm going to do it. So I'm driven by the people telling me no. I buck the system. That's kind of my my drive. I don't know. Yeah. Your your confidence. Your confidence because you you do what you say and you say what you do. I feel like so many people out there, especially men, the reason they don't have enough confidence to go out there and declare what they want or go out there and be willing to be ridiculed about their dreams is because they don't have a reputation of keeping the promises that they make to themselves. Yeah. But but I also, to answer this too, Stephen, I can't play it safe, man. Tiger Woods made a comment. He said, I'd rather putt the ball past the hole and know I had a shot than to fall short and never have the opportunity. So for me, it's like, man, I, I'm a risk taker. And it's paid off sometimes, sometimes it hasn't. I have friends that have played it safe. <clears throat> you know, they got all the equity. They've parlayed themselves up in houses. They've got the great credit. They've worked these great jobs. You know, they're older. Everything kind of fit and planned. But I can't be average. And I'd rather go to my grave trying and failing forward than to not try at all. Absolutely. Because what, what is playing it safe? Playing it safe is being overweight. Playing it safe is living paycheck to paycheck. Playing safe is conforming to the people around you and not chasing your dreams. And then there's a good quote. I think it's Thomas Jefferson. He said that most people die at the age of 35, but they're not buried till they're 75 because they die with their dreams. Facts. And... America, the greatest land of all time with all the opportunity, especially being in the 21st century where you have access to information and technology, there's never been a better time to go out there and take a risk on yourself or try and go make it big, yet most people are playing so safe. Yeah, and, and I'm an optimist but a realist too. So I have the optimist mindset and the power of positive thinking, Norm, Norman Vincent Peale. I tell everybody to read this book. I was a pessimist. I was very bad. Every time somebody say something, I'd say something negative. And one day, the guy says, "You're a pessimist." I didn't even know what that word meant. I looked it up. You're a pessimist. I'm like, "What's what's a pessimist? Is that like a uh, you know? Is that a curse word? Uh, you know, is that a uh, you know insecticide for pests? I mean, I didn't know what it was, and I wasn't well read. And I started reading. And I'm like, no. And I became an optimist, but not so much of an optimist that. You know, um, I hear people say, "I'm manifesting." I man you can manifest all you want. You can be blessed by God all you want, but you got to put action in it, mm. and it's hard. And you'll know that you know this. I've heard you say this. I think <clears throat> success is you know it's a process and it's and it's a habit. It's a daily work habit. It's a regimen, right? It's 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 repetitive. Doing what you're doing, being consistent. That's the hardest thing for a lot of people, but. When I hear people say stuff, they're like, well, you know, if this doesn't work, I, I don't want to hear that. I, here's the reality. Here's my optimi optimistic mindset. I know the reality, but I can't live in the negative. I have to live in the positive because in order for me to live and go forward as I'm failing, I have to live in the positive mindset. So I'm, a, I'm an optimist first and a realist. I'm not a realist and a pessimist or negative. And, and I'm not judging people, but I ha I've had people around me, friends and family relationship. I was like, here's this book. And they constantly will say, I'll say this. And they'll say, well, you know, I, was like, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't need that negative input coming in my mind. And for you, when I get around you, I'm a better person that day because I was around Stephen Cohen. I'm a better person because I'm around Ed Milet, who I've never met, but you introduced me to Ed. I've seen him before. I didn't remember his name. I saw him. I like, oh yeah, this dude's fire. Andy Priscelli, you know, um, um, uh, Patrick Beth David, all these people, and I go, I take, I'm a sponge. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to use this, put this in my toolbox. I told you that earlier. I have a toolbox. It's like, well, I'm stealing Stephen Cohen's quote. And if I remember he said it, I'm going to say it on my podcast. But I have to live in the positive, bro, because there's too many negatives out there. There's too many people. People laugh at me. People judge me. People have ridiculed me. And, I, and then the last part, I might be going on a tangent here. As I got older, you have to have thick skin and a soft heart. I don't give a F what people think anymore. I used to bother me. And one of the things I started doing is on my comments on my section, I really don't read a lot of my comments, right? And, and somebody told me this. He said, if you feed yourself, I think it was um, John Maxwell, who I, I, I was mentored. I was in his program for six years. He said, you got to feed your brain with positive information. Negative information creates negative output. And 
I've had podcasters, I've had gals on, and they say, oh, take my content down, all these comments. I say, you can't read all the comments. You cannot be successful if you worry about what everybody says. I'm sure your competitors, that are your buddies, you know, and I'm not going to mention their names. I'm not saying they've said this, but I know a couple of the competitors here in Vegas that do what you do. And in person, you guys are buddy-buddy, and then they go around and they talk trash behind your back. You don't worry about it. You don't worry about it, right? And it's not that you're a bad dude, but you're in the same market they're in. And I'm not saying they said anything. But if, if you were worried about what people thought, you would not be one of the number one solar sellers uh, of your industry in, in, in the Southwest, and let alone almost in America, and what you do. So I, I tell people, man, stay away from negative input. Criticism is good, but you got to take it in doses, right? You cannot take it negative. No, I can't hear it. You got to go. Why don't you call me anymore? Because I'm busy. Does that make sense? I'm going on a tangent. A hundred percent, man. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think too many people out there, you know, you made a good point. So many people are fighting for their limitations. It's crazy, right? You'll have a conversation with someone, someone maybe you care about, someone you love, and be like, you should go try that. You should go bet on yourself. And unconsciously they fight for their limitations. Oh, but Dav, you don't know what I've been through, or oh Dav, you know, look at the economy. And it's like, if you continue to feed your limitations, you're going to continue to get that in your reality. And, you know, my biggest shift after being introduced to entrepreneurship was just reprogramming the mind mm. because most people, and I think it's, I think it's by design, Dav, I really do. I think the system, whether it's the media machine or society or the schooling system or the news, I believe intentionally they put fear into people, they put doubt, they put limitations. Because if you look at what most people are doing, most people are overweight, they're unfulfilled, and they're not happy with their life. And on a lot of prescription medication. Prescription medications, they're looking for fixes versus doing the inner work. So if that's what the majority of people are doing, I would say 95%, and I think in America we're fortunate, the rest of the world is even worse. So if 95% of people that me and you come in contact with on a daily basis are below average type of living, and if that's the system of what is supposed to be the norm, it makes you question everything, including the food system like you talked about, including the schooling system, including you know college and, and businesses. I just put a video out about college. Like I'm a college dropout, and for a really long time I was ashamed of that until I realized that there's nothing wrong with college. There's only something wrong with college if the only reason you're going to college is because of other people's opinions about what you should be doing. And, and then most people, that's why they go, because their parents told them, go get a good get a good education with that, go get a good job. The problem is the second half of that, right? There's no guarantee you're going to get a job. So you'll see, and you know this in Vegas, you see a lot of people with MBAs that are bartending. Nothing wrong with bartending. But you, 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 you went to school because your parents told you you thought it was the right thing to do. And I'm not saying it is or it's not. Hear me out. But... College doesn't mean you're going to be successful. That means you're going to get a good job with benefits, uh, potentially. Nowadays, it doesn't even guarantee you a job. And so, you know, I had my son, um, he, he asked me a while ago, you know, he, he graduated high school, dad, should I go to college? He said, you know, figure out what you're going to do before you make the decision. Take a couple of years, find yourself. <clears throat> Don't go just because you're supposed to go, mm -hmm. right? And then um, he was doing some stuff with the state on a project, and they're like, oh, they, they, I, I got to bring my high school diploma. I said, they're not going to care about your high school diploma. They're not going to ask to see it. Nobody cares. And so when I had an S class, my first S class, the license plate said D, the letter D, S-T-U-D-N-T, D student. Because I barely got out of high school. They gave me a diploma to get out. They didn't want to see me anymore. But you're 100% right. College is good if you, if you, if you know where you're going. I got to be a doctor, an attorney, or whatever. Okay. But if you're just going, oh, I got a communication degree. What does that mean? And now you're $200,000 in debt. So... I didn't. I went three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Better than me. <laughs> I was like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> I I couldn't wait to get out of twelve years of institution. I'm back. I was like, "No, am I paying for it?" No. And the challenge is, it is a crucial period of people's lives. You know, you're you're nineteen, you're twenty. You've been told what to do for the last twelve years. You've been conditioned to go to lunch by a bell and to raise your hand to go to the the bathroom, and then you get out into the real world, and then in a crucial time where you have flexibility, most of the time you don't have responsibilities, you may still be living with your parents, you don't have kids, where you should be going and explore options, different skill sets, different passions, you get locked down to a four-year situation, you get out, like you said, in debt, 
And then a lot of times you lose a lot of that nimbleity that you should be using to figure out what you really want. Mm. So I agree with you. Let's let's talk about what it takes to be a high value man. I know you put out a lot of content when it comes to uh, attracting females and relationships. And thankfully, there's a lot of people like yourself, the you know PBDs and um, different outlets of giving value to men, because I think for a really long time, there's obviously been this movement with feminism, but with every type of movement comes, you know, every action comes an equal reaction. Why do you think there is a epidemic right now of weak men? And what do you think we can do to solve for it? Okay, so the first part, high value men, I, and I talk about this, and a lot of people don't agree. There's, there's a lot of different responses. And I, I look at things as far as supply and demand. So I, and, and this is no knock against anybody. It's very rare. You have to have tenure. And I, and I say that with, with experience comes wisdom, right? So I usually say at 40, and again, there's exceptions to the rule, you, 10 years of experience making six figures or more and above. Now, the new six figures is 250, in my opinion. Now, Vegas is an exception to the rule because it's kind of a B market. 100K, you're doing pretty good here. You're doing okay. But in the, in the good markets, 100K, you're, you're, you know, you're on food stamps, no pun intended. You're starving you're with a family. So 10 years of making 100K, now I say 250. So you're not going to do that generally until you're 40. You have a high network of, net worth of individuals around you, like people like yourself. I can say, hey, Steven, I can pick the phone up. Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Have you, have you worked with these guys in this bank or this business? You have a success track record. You're probably on LinkedIn. Somebody can find you. You're well-known. Um, and then you're valued by, you're respected by your peers. People respect you. They see what you've done. They've accomplished it. I can go find your company. You have a podcast. You have a nice car. Okay, nice watch. Now, anybody can buy those things. But And then you have that familiarity with the market. Now, a lot of people can make a lot of money and still not be high-valued and be, who's this guy? I don't know this guy, Bob. He's got all this money. But also, it's the value at which you attract people. In other words, somebody said made a comment. I corrected him. I said, look. It's supply and demand, okay? It doesn't mean that the guy's a good guy necessarily. Look at look at Drake. I don't know if he's got a girlfriend or not. He's high value because his net worth, he's well-respected, he's, uh, he's perfected his craft. A lot of women want to be with him. It's supply and demand. Now, you can have a guy that does really well, but has he done it for a 10-year period, mm. right? You with me? Mm -hmm. And the other question was, what was the other question? Oh, why is there an epidemic of, of we? And, and a lot of that has to do with the institutions and feminism. And, and when that happened, and there's a great shift. So society, culture, media, social media, professors, they're pushing this agenda. Now, I'm, I'm all for women doing what they want to do. I support women if they want to be successful in a corporate woman. That's great. The problem is, is that they're oppressing men by the numbers. It's bad if you say masculine man. It's looked at as, as toxic, toxic masculinity, which was actually created by a prison system of prisoners that were uh, mutilating themselves or hurting themselves, and they, they came up with the term, the clinical psychologist called it toxic masculinity. So then it's been used by the feminist movement. But the problem is, is equality, right? We get into this equality thing with women, and they're like, no, we're equal as men. And it's like, look, nobody said you weren't equal when it comes to equality, right? What rights do you have that we don't have or vice versa? There is none. But what happens now is that society has taught men not to be a, strong, a man of strength. They've taught men to, to it's okay um, for, for your woman to make the money. It's okay for, you, you know, don't, don't stand up for your woman. Don't be aggressive. The testosterone level is lower men. They're, they're, they're on the computer. They're not working out. Another reason you need to work out. Back in the days when your dad or your grandfather worked, it was manual labor. Mm -hmm. Fair? Yep. Their testosterone levels are up. They're higher. So right now you're finding all these guys sitting on a keyboard. They're not in the gym. Their test levels are low. And if they speak up, a woman will emasculate them. Now, there's, the biggest problem is this. Women want it all. When I say that, they want to try to be a career woman and, and, a, and a, a, a wife. The problem is this. When children come into play, I always tell people, do you want to, do you want to raise your children or do you want to daycare raising your children? Hmm. Right? Because is it about money or is it about family? And what happens is when you say that to a corporate woman, they're like, well, um, you know, the grandparents. No, no, no. Your grandparents should be grandparents. They shouldn't be daycare. Here's the problem. Men 
originally were taught to be a provider protector. Women were supposed to be the support system, fill the gaps, fill the void, right? Um, Be there for the children, raise the kids, help cook, clean the house. That's such a negative now. And so now it's like, I'm a boss bee. And so all these women are trying to be independent. Independent means you're not in a relationship. Independent means you're alone. You're codependent in a relationship. Your partner relies, your girlfriend relies on you. You rely on her. Now, it gets to the point now where everybody wants to make all this money and they forget about family. So what has to give? The marriage gives. So either the wife comes home and be a full-time mom, which is a negative, or she stays in corporate America and then she bucks the system and now there's a divorce rate, 50% divorce rate, right? 80% of the divorces are being filed by women. So society, the pressures of social media, uh, society, and the school system have pushed this feminine, feminist agenda. Now it's, we're equal as men. And, and we're not, they're not in certain ways. So now you have this whole equality movement going on and men can't be men. And you're seeing it with all Disney. You're seeing it with uh, the, the tech companies. And, and that's why people like, you know, Andrew Tate got canceled. Trump got canceled. Now you got uh, the new guy. Um, who's that new guy that just got canceled? He just got demonetized on um, the, the, the podcaster. He has like six million people on his podcast. Um. I don't remember. Uh, we'll, here, we'll Russell Brand. Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. Yes. Right? Anytime you push against a system and you're for men and women, men being men, women being women, you're going to get pushed back. And so that's kind of what's happening. And you think this is by design? Like, what's, what's the agenda here? Are we trying to... Well, well, okay. So I can, I can be... I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist person, but when you... See, and this is where it crosses into politics. It just does. Um... When you get so far left, it's all anti-population. Everything is anti-population, right? So uh, marriage rates are going down. Um, um, there's this uh, LGBTQ agenda. And again, I don't judge people. I treat everybody the same. Um, they're, they're indoctrinating uh, people into schools, the children, to, to talk about you know, um, binary, gender, gender theory, all this stuff. Everything is... is, is Abortion rates are up. Everything is by anti-pro-life. And now, for the first time in history, you know, the U.S., their, their population is on the decline. It's not on the upcline, right? So in the black community, and I'm half black, so in, in New York, there's more babies being killed than black people being born. So, so you see where, see where this goes? And so I don't know if – I don't want to say it's by design and be a, a, a conspiracy theorist, but when you look at everything on the, on the far – I don't want to say – I don't want to say Democrats, but the far, far left, everything is anti-pro-life, everything. And I think what's happening is the nuclear family – I'm seeing these feminist talks. Literally, I've seen them. I've seen these, these binary talks, these uh, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ talks, and they're anti they're anti-nuclear family, anti. Everything's anti-nuclear family. Nobody wants that anymore. And guys, for the last thousand years, we haven't changed. We're simple. We want peace and respect. Mm. You want children. You want a family. But, but the system is like, no, 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 no. We're going to reward the wife for divorce. We're going to kick you out of the house. We're going to give them a free home. We're going to keep them in the system. You're a bad guy. And now the feminists have came up with a, a new terminologies for abuse. Now there's financial abuse. There's mental abuse. There's social abuse. There's verbal abuse. There's, now, there's always been physical abuse. But now they're adding all these abuses onto everything a man does, and they're trying to emasculate the guy. I think society is just, it needs a change. It needs a drastic change. So you don't see this in other, other systems, other cultures, right? So well, I'm sorry I went on a tangent, but. Well said, man. No, you're spinning facts. I, I agree with you. And it's interesting. I'll, I'll kind of recap. I always thought for a really long time I wanted a power couple. I wanted, you know, my girlfriend or a future wife to be in business with me and to build our empires together. Over the last two, three years, I've realized that a lot of that was just because of influence from what I thought I wanted. In reality, all I want is I want my girlfriend, my future wife to raise our future family, to be at home, to be nurturing, to tend to the household. And that's what she wants, too. And it's so interesting to me, the shift in dynamic for the desire that I thought I wanted to what it is today. And I think it just goes back to what you're talking about. It's going back to more traditional roles, because that's truly to some degree, and there's always outliers in every situation, but what I think the majority of people want. Yeah. And, and, and also to going back to that, 
you know, gods came out of the system too. You know, if you have a relationship with God, you're vertical alignment. But to answer this, what women don't realize is their greatest success and attribute is supporting. This is the key. They hate that. I, I had the conversation with my girlfriend. Well, I want to do. I want to be a partner. It's like, well, it's it's ours. You see what I mean? The we and our thing is gone. It's always yours and mine now. Your bank account, my bank account, or this, whatever. However you set up your system. But <clears throat> her success is your success. Your success is her success. You're going to be much more successful if she's, and I say this without disrespect, she's your cheerleader. You know what I mean? Like, because imagine both you guys at the helm. You're, you're having business debates over what region and territories you're going to go for first. She's got to take on masculine qualities to run something. And you don't want that because now you're now you're in a relationship with a guy. Now you're now you're coming home to a man, <clears throat> figuratively. And so when you come home, she's there, babe. Did you slay the dragon? I'm so proud of you, dude. You're on cloud nine. You're you're on the way to what she sets the tone when you wake up in the morning. But if you come home, and you're like, God, man. You know, I had a tough time here. She's gonna fill that void. She's gonna fill your love tank, and that's the area. She's like, "Ooh, that's low." Steven's having a tough day here, babe. You know what? I believe in you, but dude, you're like, yeah, you're successful because of her. Absolutely. And if they can, if women can see that, now there's different dynamics. There's some men that aren't go getters. It is what it is. Everybody needs worker bees. People need employees. But the point is, you guys will be more successful. Even it's funny because um, Grant Cardone. He talks about his wife all the time, how they're a power couple. But she's actually filling the void, right? He's leading. He's still leading. You can't have two pilots. The 50-50 doesn't work. And I think as you get as you get older and become more successful, you know, man, I'm telling you, there's strengths that she has that I don't have. And, and sometimes I'm like, you got a chaotic life. You're running 100 miles an hour. And she's like, babe, I got it. Don't worry. I got, I got the, the reservation set. You scheduled it. Our flight, here's the plans. You're, oh, good, babe. I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm running over here. And then when a child comes into play, oh, my gosh. Now you got, you know, bring the nannies. Oh, they, you know, the kids are in school. We'll hire private tutors to fly with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to slow down. At the same time, you're available for your family. But she's the key to your success. And she could be the detriment and the key to your failure, but it's, I know your girl's good. I know you've talked about it, but as long as you guys are on the same path and, and, you know, she's rewarded by your, your response and your positive affirmations that, Hey babe, I'm successful because of you, they, they want to feel value, but they don't understand that the value is in a supporting role. You know, when you watch, do you watch football at all? A little bit. Okay. You ever see football and, and you see, you see the players on the field and then you see the people in the coaches boxes up there. Yeah. You see some of the coaches box, the supporting cast, they never get the props, you know, all these second assistant, third assistant coach, they're the key too to the success of the team. Right. And so some people don't see that. And it's like, no, you're the, there's a co pilot. I can't fly this big jumbo jet without you. For sure. It's like a fighter. You know, the fighter's out there actually doing the work, getting all the acclimates, but the fighter wouldn't be who they are without their coach, without their support system. And there's not one role more important than the other. It, it just all meshes well. Right. So, well said. Let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk about the single man. Let's talk about the average 22, 23-year-old man out there who is indoctrinated into the current society how it is, who is competing with people on social media, with uh, the propaganda out there. What advice would you give to that individual to either find a girlfriend, find a wife, or just start to attract pretty females into her life? Man, I, I'm telling you, if you're 22, you need to focus on your money, man. You have to. Because at, at 22... I mean, let's be real. A 20, 20, 23, 25-year-old girl, 22-year-old girl, she's cool with you now because you're cute and you got the little Subaru. But, man, when the guy – when you can't take her to anywhere but, but you know, um, the Cheesecake Factory, you know, you can't take her to uh, Tulum, you can't take her to Dubai, yeah. and the guy that's 30 all of a sudden says, hey, come on, I'm going to pay for your tickets, you're gone. And I think that's the problem is they're, they're so busy chasing, chasing tail that they're not focused on their goals. They need to get around men like you. You have a system. You have a system. I've, I've seen your system. A young guy can come into your organization. He can be mentored by you and your team, your management team, your leaders and coaches. He can learn a skill and a task, 
a journey, right? He can be a journeyman or whatever he is. He has a trade. Now he goes to the next level. Now he's creating revenue. He's so focused on that. By the time he sticks his head up, he's got resources. He might have a condo. He might have a car. He's got six-figure income. He's got money in the bank. He's got investments. Now you can start having fun. But what happens is don't have fun before you have a foundation. I, the advice I give 22-year-olds, why are you worried about women? Why? Because if you're worried about women, you're going to be a broke guy at 30. And then you're going to get married and be broke. And you're never going to experience life. Make some money, have a foundation, then go out and start talking to women. I say go out and get 10 no's. Talk to, talk to 10 women and get 10 no's. It's like, oh, I don't know what to say. Don't worry about it. Go up and say hi. Introduce yourself. Ask them for your number. You're not going to get 10 no's. You're not going to get 10 no's. You're going to get a yes. That's a victory. But the problem is nobody wants to get rejected. I love being rejected. Because remember what I said earlier. You tell me no, then I'm going to go to the next level. I'll show you, right? I'll show, he'll, never, he'll never have a Mercedes. He'll never be a millionaire. He'll never have a nice house. He'll never have a beautiful girlfriend. And I, every time I level up, right? So tell young men to go forward, get around a system, training system like you, a mentorship, and also move forward, get the 10 no's with girls on the way to making your money. But don't lose track on your focus and focus on your foundation because if you get with the wrong woman she's going to take you out but never chase don't chase it's a game of attraction yep you know you it's the same thing in my business you know what you want to attract leaders you have to be a leader if you want to attract a female an attractive female you have to be a high attractive man or someone that is and, worth being desired and men are men and when they're younger it's looks as they get older it's, it's success you, it, an average guy that has a lot of success is much more successful with a beautiful woman versus a Chad that has no money. Because when you're older, women, the looks, they're like, dude, you can't even take me out to, on a date. And I don't know what's up with this, hey, we'll split the bill thing. You, you, if you have a pretty girl that goes on a date with a guy that says, I'll split the bill, and you have guys like us that are single, and we take her out, and she's like, oh, no, don't, don't even pull your money out. And we're not expecting to have sex. Like, you can't expect it. If you tell a pretty girl no, or she's like, hey, you know, you want to come over and stay the night? No, I'm okay. We'll wait. They, they, they've never heard that because that's not our end game. Our end game is, is we want to get to know the girl and have a relationship. That's the other thing I tell young guys. You know, don't go after the, don't go after the booty right away Take, t because she's not used to that. Every guy's chasing her. And, and, and now that you know what you know and I know what I know, we're like, okay, I wish I would have known that younger. But now it's like I'd love to tell a beautiful girl no. Because then she's like, well, you want to you come home? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I want to get to know you. They're like, what? Right? Yeah. And it, it comes down to what, you, what we started this conversation with. You know yourself. You know your values. You know your boundaries. You have your mission statement. And I feel like so many people don't know what they stand for. And the challenge is when you don't know what, you, what you'll stand for, you'll, you'll fall for, for anything. And it takes time to develop that. Can you touch a little bit about how important it is for you in your life, in your experience, when it comes to business, girls, really anything relationship, to have those core principles? Yeah, it, it comes down to one thing. It comes down to results. When you try to go off the tracks and you get distracted and you're like, I'm tired, I'll just, I'll just do it tomorrow, and you're not getting the results because of your habit, your daily work habit, right? It's very important. You have to set milestones, and those milestones can be done by monthly, weekly, monthly, quarterly, bi-yearly, or, or, or yearly. And so what I try to do is I do a couple things. I look at my revenue. I look at the, the goals. I have a, a daily work habit. I try to I have this book called 369 Journey where I write down positive affirmations every day. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, and if there's – man, I'm telling you, there, there was – I remember. I'll give you an example. Saturday. I love football. Colorado was going into double overtime. And I'm like, dude, I got to get this done. I had to cut the game off. I'm walking, getting in the shower with the phone on the counter because I'm watching the game instead of doing what I had to do. You know, whether it's time codes, whether it's reading or whether it's uploading a podcast or whether it's, you know, communicating with my distributor with the supplements, right? Just like this gal's in the Philippines that does my website. She's messaging me at 3 in the morning last night. If I don't do that, it's another delay. It's another step forward backwards, meaning I went another day forward and I went backwards too. And now it's that much longer until I get to my end game, which never ends. But, you know, okay, we're in a recession. My tech company's down. How am I get my supplement company up? The more time I take by distractions, the worse it becomes. So I have to remind myself I don't want to be caught 
behind the eight ball. I want to make sure I'm ahead of the curve so that when that, that message comes, which just came from WhatsApp from the Philippines, hey, do you want to change your site here? When I'm done, I have to get back on it. It's easy to do nothing. It's very easy, especially if you have a cushion, right? So I don't have a, I don't have a plan B. All I got is plan A. I eliminated plan B that I'm almost unemployable in corporate America, so I have to do it or I'll be on the street. Standards and, yeah, psychologically unemployable. I think it's such a powerful mindset. Most people, they have too many outs. You know, they have too many, oh, if this doesn't work, then I'll just do this. They never put themselves in a vulnerable situation to really see what they're made of. Mm. Burn the boats. You know the story of burn the boats? You burn the boats, you give yourself no way other than to win, and what happens, you will win. You have to swim with the sharks now. <laughs> That's it. That's it. No, no swimming with the sharks. Uh, Jeff, obviously, uh, you're a successful, successful guy, successful male, successful business owner, successful communicator. How important has communication been in your career, in your personal life, in your love life, in terms of getting the results you want? It's very important. Um, I, I think, and I'll say this, if you're not reading, you're, you're failing. I mean, I, I was a horrible communicator. I used to over-talk people a lot. I still do sometimes. i got to put that in check. But um, I've taken my nootropics to help me focus. Um, I get distracted. I have ADHD. Um, and I have to read to help me communicate better. I know that sounds odd for some people. Um, reading, I feel, gives me more words to work with, more wordsmithing to use. Um, and then I can use examples. And, and I know <laughs> facts over feelings, but I know when you're communicating with a woman, sometimes facts, they don't want you to be the fixer. They just want you to listen. Mm -hmm. And I have a tendency with, with my girlfriend to want to fix things. Guys want to fix. Women just want to be heard. And so as I read more books by clinical psychologists, as I do more interviews with women, I start realizing and I elevate my game that they just want to be heard. They don't necessarily want to be corrected or know who's right. Are you, are you with me? 100%. And so you have to study people and you have to understand the things that set them off or things that, that they like and mirroring people. You understand this, right? You're, 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 you're at the top of your game. And so if I want to learn an industry, I have to watch and study but communication is so key, and I'm finding that accountability and communication aren't working in the younger generation. They're not accountable. The time management's horrible, right? I understand five, ten minutes, but if it's consistent, we need to talk. I'm very much on calendar. I told you I'd be here at 4.30. I was here, right? We were, we were getting set up. I was here. I was already here. I, I left. I remember my girlfriend said, okay, podcast is 4.30. Why are you leaving at 3.30? Well, I'm going to leave at 3.45. Why are you leaving at 3.45? Or, uh, 3.45? I said, because I need what-if contingencies. I communicated with Stephen. I know it was delayed in getting you in text. I communicated with Stephen. I would be here at this time. I don't want what-ifs to come into play. And there was what-ifs. It was a rainstorm of puddles. I pulled up at 4.25, and I left at 3.45. Normally, it's a 30-minute ride, right? Mm -hmm. So I think people will not take you serious if you don't communicate properly. Because I find the younger generation, they're horrible with communicating. Even their text messages, their phone calls, it's like, no, I said one thing. I just need an answer, yes or no. Don't drag the story out, right? So if you want to be successful, you need to find out a communication system with your boss, your employees, um, your girlfriend that works for both you, whether that's text, email, or phone calls or in-person conversation. But if you don't find a good way to communicate, you will fail 100%. Absolutely. I love what you said there. Full self-accountability. It's probably one of my favorite business success principles because the average person says, hey, I'll be there at 430. Let me leave at 410. Oh, there's a flood. So I'm going to be 20 minutes late, 15 minutes late. But the successful person says, no, let me make sure 100% of the time that I will be there in time. So I will leave 15 minutes early. And I think it's such a good lesson for anyone out there. The victim mentality is such an easy philosophy to buy into because 100%. everyone plays victim nowadays. It's not my fault. It's the government. It's society. It's my girlfriend. It's my boss. It's the economy. It's so easy to pass blame on to external circumstances, but that gives your power away to something that is not yourself. And if you're blaming everyone else for your lack of results or not being there on time or why your girlfriend broke up with you and you're not taking accountability over it, then 
you are powerless mm. versus saying, hey, the reason my girlfriend broke up with me is probably because I'm not adding enough value to her or I wasn't as patient enough for her. There is always a reason to find fault or to take accountability over negative situations because that's the only way to find the little gems of lessons in those situations. 100%. Yeah. Dav, you've been amazing, bro. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up here, but I'm curious. So you've had a lot of mentorship in your life. You've, you're obviously well-read. You've done a lot of personal development. John C. Maxwell is someone you brought up a couple times in your life. What do you feel like was the biggest takeaway you got from your experience with him? It's serving others. Mm. Be a big server. And, and do, it with, do it with conviction and belief. And serve people without expecting anything in return. Selfless. Humbleness, right? I, I do a lot of that. Like I, I, I talked to another podcaster about it. I'm always putting people first. I'm always trying to help people. And and the pendulum swings both ways, right? John said this. He says, you know, when you when when the pendulum's swinging away, it'll come back to you tenfold. But don't expect it. Don't say, well, I'm gonna help you, but but I better get a return on it. Do it in a selfless act and serve others because to be a player coach or to help others like like a leader is to serve right i remember ronald reagan says said made this famous quote he said we we don't you don't work for us the government's supposed to work for you and so as a leader i work for other people i want them to be successful i want to help them do i do i expect anything no i know there'll be a return i'll be blessed but i don't expect it I, like if i help you if I give you a bunch of leads, right? I remember I gave you a couple of leads and you say, oh, you know, I'll give you, it's like, no, no. I just give you leads because I want you to win because that's what I do is I help friends and, and, and colleagues and associates win. Down the road, something, I'll be blessed and the pendulum come back somewhere else in the universe. And so that was hard for me because it was tit for tat. I'm not going to do that for him unless he does this for me, right? And so that is the selfless act of serving others. And that's what I got from John. That's amazing, man. And I agree. You know, we were talking about that go-giver book right next to you and how you never read it. But that's essentially the concept of the book. So many people just don't trust in a higher being or don't trust that if they add value to this individual, they're always figuring out what's in it for them. And the issue, I believe, with that is the intention isn't pure. And when the intention isn't pure... I believe in energy and frequency and vibrations and whatever you put out, you'll get back, you know, law of the universe and, and all these things. But as long as you serve from a level of true service, I believe good things have to happen. 100%. Yeah. Dav, you've been amazing. I Thank appreciate you. you coming I, on. No, I appreciate having me, having me come out. This is awesome. I never, I, I'm not on a lot of podcasts. I don't travel that much. So it's like, I'm always doing the podcast. So it's always good to be on the other side. It's like, wow, he's asking me some good questions. <laughs> right. well, you got some good answers, bro. Right on. Uh, where uh, where can viewers find you if, if they're looking to tune into your podcast, check your content, or, or want to get connected? Yeah, so Black Ice Reality Check on YouTube and then on on uh, Twitter or X, Black Ice Reality, and then on Instagram, Black and White, best of both, definitely. Boom. Guys, check them out. Dab's always putting out fire content to help impact your life, impact your business, and ultimately just make you a better individual. So... We'll catch you guys on the next episode, as always. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys soon. Peace.